Hey world, it's Kiss. You're listening to Ergo. We have a great episode for you this week, but first a couple notes. First off, thanks for bearing with us. We were off taking a little bit of a break the last couple weeks. Hope you had a good holiday. We'll be back on Weekly Now, showcasing strong young voices from Chicago and beyond. Secondly, uh, we had a little bit of an audio issue with this episode. I think it's listenable, probably not our best sounding one, but the conversation is fantastic with Lester Ray. So, you know, what we lack in perfection, we make up for in spirit and ideas and uh, hope you enjoy. Uh, we'll be we'll be working to get it fixed, but hey, I just I wanted to give you the heads up and just ask you to bear with us on the audio for this episode. Cool. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Yo, what's up? Back in full effect, Thursday at noon, Ergo Radio. How are you, how, how are you doing? Happy New Year, everybody. It's uh, nice to be back on the radio. This is the longest we've gone without doing what we do uh, since we started like all year and a half, almost two years ago. I'm, uh, I'm Kiss. Oh, I'm Damon. What's up, y'all? And uh, what we do here on Ergo, on WHBK and ErgoRadio.com is we showcase strong young voices from Chicago and beyond. Each week we do a live long-form interview with an artist, writer, organizer, poet, musician, rap, just someone reshaping the culture of the city. They got a link in their bio. <laughs> and they are <laughs> making art and community that is reshaping our culture for the more equitable and the more creative. How are you feeling, Dame? I'm all right, man. I'm all, I'm all good. Bouncing back, you know, yeah. trying to get this, this year off started. So started off right is how you speak English. Well, it's good to see it's good to see your smiling face up here at WHBK. Uh, you got any any community announcements real quick you want to plug anything? Hell no, I just got my phone back. My phone been broke for last week, so I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> what's up everybody? So you're you're back in the world. My brother actually just got he he was off a smartphone for like almost a year just uh, on a flip phone because oh, he wanted to be trap gang. kind of a yeah he <laughs> we'll, we'll get into like what we do but i do have to tell this anecdote because i think he'll appreciate it so when i was i was just home for two weeks in new york visiting my family and my brother at some point along the line came across a gucci a um Kuji sweater mm. that's almost floor length not because <laughs> it's intended to be it's just so large like it goes down literally below his knees and i went and i picked him up at the subway uh one day and he's standing there he has his Kuji sweater down to his knees right. and his flip phone in his hand. Oh, and he had just gotten uh, a, like a new hair. He'd just gotten a haircut. Oh, yeah. And he was like, yeah, no, 95% of the people on the train with me thought I was selling drugs <laughs> in that moment. Um, so shout out to Aaron. He's actually in Cuba right now. Um, anyway, let's, let's, let's get into what we do. A couple community announcements up top as we like to do. Um, first off, uh, city Bureau, Ergo alums, they do amazing investigative journalism all over the city. They have their open house tonight at Experimental Station, 6.30. Um, go see what they're working on. And you can even win a free water filter to get the lead out your water. That's like that's what our giveaways are now. That's, oh, that's the world we live in. I low-key need a water filter. <laughs> um, also, Ergo alum Sabo is performing at Lincoln Hall. It might be sold out, but that's tomorrow, uh, Friday. And then... AMFM, which is a, kind of a, a kindred spirit, doing really good work across the city. Um, they have their grand opening of their brand new space in Pilsen, uh, 2151 West 21st Street. That's on Saturday night. So go through, check that out. A lot of amazing artists uh, performing. You want to? All right. <laughs> and, and the last thing, um, I've been talking for a long time about how we're going on tour, and it's actually happening. So the first two dates we're doing uh, on the 21st of January, that's a Saturday, not too far, we're out in Naperville uh, at North Central College doing a talk and performance with Bella Boz and Malcolm London. True. It's going to be free. Um, we'll, we'll have all the info up on the website. But if you aren't tired of our voices and you want to hear what, what they have to say, you can come through that. Um, and shout out to North Central. The other thing is we're headed out to Los Angeles to USC beginning of February. Any LA listeners, uh, again, you can cop the info on our website. We're going to be doing a talk and some class visits and stuff like that. Anyway. 
uh, we have a very special guest up here at WHPK. Uh, this is the by far the fastest we've gone from like, I hear your music to we have you on the microphone in the space. I'm really excited to have you here, uh, Lester Ray. Bra 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 bra. Hey. How uh how, how you how you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Um, I'm getting over a cough. Um, but like everybody I know is a little sick right now. Mm-hmm. But um. Yeah, I'm feeling, other than that, I'm feeling great. I'm really excited about the new year. Yeah. So, yeah, you kind of answered a little bit, but we have this, uh, we have to say it, right? Like, how, how are you treating the world and how is the world treating you right now on this day? Today? Mm-hmm. Or, I, I or in up. this time? <laughs> <laughs> I just woke up not too long ago. Uh, no, but in this time, um, I feel like I'm treating the world with uh, as much respect as... Uh, I, I know too, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like the world reciprocates that to me. Um, I know when we look at our Facebook feed or media, you know, we see a lot of negativity. Yeah. But um, I do feel like definitely 2016 maybe gets joked about as being a really bad year. But I think personally, as a year of growth, it was one of my most successful years. Mm. So I, I definitely feel like, I don't know, the vibrations are just feeling just right right now. Yeah, I want to get into kind of what that process has been. When you talk about that growth, um, looking back, let's say, over the last year or kind of mm-hmm. the, the, the last kind of chapter start for you, like what feels like a really big change for you? Or just what feel, what's the vibration in this moment that feels so good? Yeah, actually... Last year, around this time, I released my debut EP. And um, <clears throat> so we're literally exactly at about a, a year mark. Mm. Um, and it just feels so different. Like, I feel much like I have, like, a clearer vision of what the sound needs to be in my music, what the message needs to be in my music. Um, I just feel more confident on stage uh, with the musicians I work with, the yeah. bands I work with. I I got more of a team instead of like always struggling and thinking about, dang, who can do this graphic art for me? Yeah. Like I already have people I vibe with, people that vibe with me. It's like it's been a year of, uh, of growth in community and in myself. Um, I've gotten closer to my community. Mm. Um, so it's, yeah, it's it definitely feels really different today than it did last year. It's a beautiful thing, and it just it's a nice reminder that like those things just take time and yeah. and, and work, and there's no like shortcuts on it. So, I mean, I found your your music through this mixtape that the Dojo put out. Shouts to them, Ergo alums as well. I'm just going to, that's going to keep coming up. Yeah, man. We, uh, we, we got a squad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they had a, a whole bunch of artists from across the city who've been doing uh, some concerts or just been in, plugged in with them and, and your music was on there. And, you know, you hear it in like every interview that anyone from here does where they're like, man, there's so much talent in Chicago. Um, yeah. You know, how does that feel? And, and I've kind of gotten tired of hearing the answers to that, even though it's always like a loving thing. But I kept sitting there listening to this being like, damn, there really is just like in this one uh, playlist, basically, which is such a tiny corner of what's happening here. I was just like, man, here are 15 new people, basically, to me who I love what they do. Um, and, and, and what was really surprising or, or moving was like not just how good it was, but the breadth of all those sounds. Yeah. Um, so for you looking at, let's say, you know, moving away from just like that playlist, but to the folks who you've now been, you know, making music with or in community with even just creative yeah. community. Have you feel like the do you feel like the kind of the breadth or like the width of it has been expanding? Yeah, actually, uh, you mentioned AMFM and the grand opening this, mm-hmm. this, this Saturday. I'm actually performing at, hey, at that this Saturday. I'm, I'm doing one song. They're running it kind of like a mixtape, like a playlist. Mm-hmm. Um, in a sense where you're just going to have a lot of dope artists that have worked with AMFM um, kind of just do a song. <clears throat> so there's like, there's that community aspect. There's AMFM, the dojo, and I have been working together for about a year now. I think, I think mm. since they've opened because they're in Pilsen now, yeah. and I'm from the Pilsen neighborhood. Um, or I was, so I moved. <laughs> but um, yeah, I definitely feel like it's, it's been expanding, expanding for sure. Like, yeah. um, I definitely just reached out to my friends and homies from school and stuff like that when I first dropped my first EP. Um, I guess I did marketing the right way. I just Googled everything. <laughs> <laughs> I learned everything on Google uh, <clears throat> and just put flyers up, did all that guerrilla like marketing yeah. type of thing. But now it's just like I got 
fam that like actually support and mm-hmm. share my stuff for me like and are making things even themselves so it's and a they're conversation making things themselves yeah. so i'm like working with a lot of people on that playlist um i'm actually working with a lot of those artists as well mm-hmm. um i support a lot of those artists yeah. um, i go to their shows i i'm on the dance floor as well i'm enjoying the the vibes of their music um and, and like you mentioned, community is beyond just the music community. Yeah. There's the visual artists. There's the visual art groups that also um, work in the exact same spaces. Mm. There's um, the activist groups that also vibe in those same spaces. They tend to like party there. Yeah. You know what I mean? They tend to heal there. Mm. Um, so <clears throat> it's it's beautiful because you meet so many different people from different types of walks of life and different types of uh, work that they're doing and it goes from art to activism, just everything. Yeah, and, and I know for you, even just like looking at at, at your sound and the the kind of layering and, and intersection of it, I want I want to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of how that presents and how, how that's built. But the first thing after hearing the song that kind of jumped out at me when I when I you know I did my googling too, you know, <laughs> was uh, your use of the term boogaloo urbano. As the, yeah. as the framework for it just because like i've been trying to talk not necessarily on the show but i've been trying to talk about boogaloo forever because so i'm a new yorker and hey, everyone okay. talks about it as the birthplace of hip-hop and everything like that and but 10 years earlier in the same neighborhoods there was another form mm-hmm. birthed by young black and brown people that was like the intersection of r&b and anyway i don't need to give the Yo, whole yeah you, you're, you giving, you're giving I mean, me chills bro it's like, like, I'm the like thing, that excites me most. To so, see someone that knows about Boogaloo is dope. Uh, I was kind of nervous using that terminology mm. because I was like, not nah, a lot of people know what Boogaloo yeah. is. It just comes off the tongue so right. It does so even if right. it, does, don't it, know, does. it just sounds, just sounds they're like They're like, what, Boogaloo? Okay. <laughs> so like, for those who aren't familiar, can you give, I gave like a little background, but like, yeah, what was yeah. it for you? Um, in, the, in the 1960s, basically, um, a lot of young Boricuas um, in New York um, were kind of tired of the sound of their their grandpa, their, their, you know, every, every youth wants their own revolution, mm-hmm. right? So um, they started grabbing the sounds that they were listening to in the streets of New York. Um, and it was soul, R&B. Um, it was like doo-wop, that kind of music that was existing in the 60s, prominently made by black artists. Um, and then the cha-cha-cha and like the mambo music from the 1950s, they were, for lack of a better term, elitist. So mm-hmm. they just weren't letting the youth in. <clears throat> so the youth kind of just created their own genre. And they had the um, the swing and the chords of blues and doo-wop music. And, and so, um, but the cha-cha-cha backbone of like, you know, the, the Latin music backbone. So you had black and black and brown artists getting together, making music. Actually, one of the most famous uh, Boogaloo artists was uh, Filipino and black. Mm. He wasn't even Puerto Rican. He was like dropping like Spanish lines like, every <laughs> once in a while. Joe Batan. Everybody probably called him Puerto Rican though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone thought he was Puerto Rican. Uh, his name was Joe Batan. Um, so it, it existed from the 60s right, right up to like barely like 1969, mm-hmm. <clears throat> around there, where it was intentionally killed off. Yeah, what do you what do you mean by that? So the uh, the cha 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 mambo era, um, they knew that they were an old era, but they right. still were the ones that wanted to make the money. They were the ones signed to the record companies and the record labels. Um, so this boogaloo was like truly one of the first fusion genres ever before fusion became a thing in our era. Uh, it was truly one of like um, a black and brown experience that was really uniting people on the dance floor, but. Um, the salsa generation came up in the 70s mm. and and the hip-hop generation right and the funk and all that stuff but as much as i love salsa i'll dance to that any day funk and and definitely well i'll talk about hip-hop in a little bit but as much as i like funk and, and salsa and disco <clears throat> um those genres were created after the boogaloo and they were almost intentionally made for the black community and the brown community separately right so like while boogaloo was predominantly an english language genre it's considered one of the first New Yorkian styles of music because it's like the first genre that was actually created here in America um, by black and brown folks. And it actually is in English. And then they actually come up with this second genre. It's called salsa. Mm-hmm. And salsa is all in Spanish. Right. And so, it's also made in New York. So it's like now it like completely segregates 
black folks from listening to and it had industry backing and it was a lot of the same folks who were in positions of power in like those earlier like i know we're going real deep in history but i do think it's it's interesting because it was like it wasn't some it had industry backing but a lot of the folks who were really leading the kind of shutdown and the blacklisting of boogaloo artists were Mm -hmm. also puerto rican musicians who were in that generation before who like colluded with the labels to not give gigs Mm -hmm. and not give opportunities to these young folks yeah I, I, I want. I'm. I'm at a fork. I have two questions I want to ask. So I'm. Nah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go with one <laughs> like, like closer to where we are right now. Um, on the show a lot, we kind of talk about the the intersection of brown and Spanish speaking communities and, and, and black communities, but usually just like in the contemporary, like what's going on right now yeah. in the movement artistically. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it, it's really important because it's it's kind of the genesis, particularly of hip hop culture, which you said you want to talk a little bit more yeah, about, but. Yeah. I, I want to know from your understanding as someone who's participating in that legacy, um, what do you think like motivate or, or why why is it more profitable or why was it profitable at that time to like shut down or shut out Boogaloo, right? Like why did the established Spanish speaking power want, want, want not that even separation? That it was more profitable. It was the fact that Boogaloo was taking profits from the cats already on top. So it was more like they were protecting themselves. So they saw Boogaloo as a threat. And so they stopped booking Boogaloo bands at venues. They like told venues not to book Boogaloo bands. They would take their posters down. Um, and then they pushed uh, salsa with the exact same artists. So like you had Tito Puente, for example, still doing music in the 19 like 60s, like Mambo and Cha Cha Cha. And then when the salsa wave comes through, he's still doing salsa. So now he's relevant again. Right. And these um, are these are the names that also now like have kept their legacies to this day. Like are, you know the you famous go to Guitar movie. Center and you can buy a Tito Puente Timbales set. Like <laughs> you know, um, I, and still like I, I have no beef with these specific artists either because I, I feel like what they did also is is mm-hmm. amazing music. Like I can never be like oh you know funk and salsa divided the community so forget. Yeah. Um, James Brown and forget Hector Lavoe. I can't. I love Hector Lavoe and James Brown way too much. <laughs> um, and I feel as much as they try to divide us, they can't. Right. And so that's where I feel like hip hop comes. It's like it started with Boogaloo and Boogaloo was actually successfully killed. Right. And then they weren't they weren't able to kill hip hop. So, so you, 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 I think you, you you've like articulated a, a, a real proper understanding of the history. What like actually connected you to that legacy is it someone at home was it a, a grandparent or a parent or did you just have an artist that like you stuck with and just like went and learned their yeah. their whole history and biography so i'm, I'm from chicago right. um but you know daniel mentioned when you go by kiss whatever anything <laughs> we're but pushing danny. the kiss thing we're you pushing can, we're pushing the kiss for for the record you can literally call me anything but danny I, any I, name nicknames whatever just not danny all right. That's that's so like, that so just like Jonathan. I like, <laughs> when I go bowling, I just did this when I was home. I only bowl with the name Tina in my card. It's a good luck thing. So yeah, call me literally whatever you want, Jonathan. I'll respond to. Right, but Danny, I'm walking the other way. <laughs> but um, man, I already forgot the question. How did, what connected you yeah, to the? Uh, <laughs> yeah, all good. Um, my dad basically. He's um he's from New York. Mm. My dad comes from New York, and he he brought all those records with him. He was definitely big in disco and he was the dude with the Afro with the roller skates, yeah. like at, at the roller rink dancing and stuff like that. Um, and he was into all the Kung Fu films and he was, he was Brooklyn, like yeah. all the way. Um, and my mom, <clears throat> she's uh, she was from Puerto Rico. Like they were both born in Puerto Rico, but my dad moved to New York really young at the age of six. But my mom, she's always been in Puerto Rico. Mm. Um, until like a, a later age when they found each other here in Chicago. So she came with a lot of the uh, traditional like salsa, like old school, like son, rumba and all that kind of music. And um, and then probably I can imagine even more like kind of folks like Kibaro music. Yeah. Like all that yeah, stuff too. yeah. Yeah. I wasn't even going to say that word. I wasn't even sure if y'all hey, knew what that we meant. Dig, we dig deep. <laughs> Dang, we that's dig dope. Deep. Yeah. So yeah, she came definitely from the Kibaro music to be uh, actually very specific. She was in the Hibaro like type of town in Ponce, Puerto Rico. Yeah. So well, can you, I just I'm for I this is all stuff that I'm trying to learn about because my brother played some so like yeah. what what is Hibaro for folks listening? So the word Hibaro is um man, I was gonna say because sometimes when I'm telling my Mexican friends Hibaro is like campesino. So that's just Spanish to Spanish. So like to translate that to English <laughs> 
is like um, <laughs> like farmer, yeah. I guess, like the the image of um you usually see the images of the person carrying sticks, um, crops. Um he's he's in the uh the jungle or the valley of the fields and he's the, the working class um man is usually the depicted the brown working class man is usually was depicted in like the settings of like the 60s and 70s image that's what um a classic image of a hibaro <clears throat> the hibaro music is usually like a guitar it's very very country mm-hmm. very like doesn't sound like american country music obviously but it's like <laughs> that idea you know a guitar you, and you a don't spoke think music garth, Book, garth brooks is putting out a hibaro album anytime nah, soon? Nah, I, don't, <laughs> I don't i don't see country ever getting up here i feel like that's up here as in Chicago? No, no it's as on air show. Are, are hmm. we going to say that public? Are we going to like offend our, our, our country? Let me think. Music there margins. There might be someone with a country uh, we have to influence. New, right. Maybe. I'm trying to think who. So you're telling me that. There go you... listeners. If you got some hot country that's not no bullshit, <laughs> let us know if we should know. Otherwise, I'll put my foot down. Do not tweet us Darius Rucker. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. He's no, the sure. only black, like popular black country singer I know. He was also Hootie of Hootie and the Blackfish. Oh, okay. I do, know. I do know. Nice. Anyway, let's pull All this right. back on track. Yeah, Sorry. basically. Um, <laughs> it's been a while. You know, I had my own experiences <laughs> yeah. as well growing up. A hip-hop, freestyle, mm. merengue, and all that. Reggaeton, especially like. Mm. And all that stuff as well growing up. I wanted something that could blend it all together. Mm. And um, when what, was, I found, what was that moment where, where you where you found that boogaloo? Man, could, I used to that. be a straight up hip hop reggaeton artist back when I was like 18, like 10 years ago. Um, and it just got violent in Chicago. Like mm. I was in the wrong scene. Like I know there's definitely healthy hip hop scenes, but there was definitely not healthy hip hop mm. scenes. And I came across some of that violence, getting seen people get stabbed on stage and getting shot at and stuff like that. And I just got out of it, went to college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to step away from this for a minute because I want to be a singer, but it seems like it can't happen without like there being a lot of violence around mm-hmm. and, and drugs and all that stuff. So I was like, let me, let me just step out of it for a while. So mm-hmm. I came out of college and in, in college, I got to study my own roots, my own genres that were in my roots. Were you um, studying music? I didn't actually. Okay. I studied. Uh, I went from philosophy to community leadership and civic engagement. Like, true, true. I just changed my yeah. major, <laughs> but um, I did take like uh, Afro-Cuban um, ensemble, mm-hmm. which they usually don't let anybody who's not a music major in. Mm-hmm. But I I rehearsed uh, for vocals, and they were like, "Yeah, you got it. get in." That's cool. I did Latin jazz, and I learned a lot from um, some of the teachers there. Mm-hmm. Um, where Where did you go to school? NIU. Okay, where Northern Illinois. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it was just, that was like a moment after graduating or even somewhere before where I did do a hip hop group again. <clears throat> it was called Cosmic Raza. I was a Mexican rapper and me. And we started traveling to universities and started looking like, wait, this is actually something that we can do that people are actually vibing to and makes yeah. money. Um, unfortunately, the, the other rapper just, he, he decided to like not take that career and mm-hmm. just kind of get a job and stuff like that. And I just wanted to keep going. So I needed to find something knew i wanted to not just do hip-hop i wanted to do something that was definitely hip-hop based because that was my past and so that's when i came up with the idea of Boogaloo urbano i was i was literally thinking about something that connected my roots to the modern era yeah. and that's when i came up with my parents identity and then i found Boogaloo way prior to that i always knew what it was but it didn't resonate with me till mostly like recently yeah because what's cool about it and we're going to hear an example in a second off this uh, the most recent project you put out but you you it's like using that framework but it's not necessarily like it if you were to play a boogaloo song which we did as the intro um mm-hmm. next to something like there are obviously elements that sound the same but it's more about like that concept right and that idea yeah it's definitely the concept of black and brown music it's the idea of um soul and cha-cha-cha but it goes way beyond that it's right. like now i'm doing bomba which is like puerto rican african music yeah. um combined with blues and, and hip-hop and then hip hop. And right. so like the Promesa is a mixtape. So there's not too much of my production mm-hmm. in the beat making. Um, but I was trying to find beats that like definitely fit um, my identity. And so like the first track on it, the song Promesa is um, produced by Afro-Cubano. And it's definitely rumba, but it's electronic. Right. So though I can say it definitely carries the spirit of Bugalu Urbano, um, it's definitely not Boogaloo. <laughs> so let's that's actually the track I had queued up. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Nicely done. Here's Promesa, Lester Ray. You're listening to Ergo, 
WHBK, ErgoRadio.com. Yeah. WHPK, ErgoRadio.com. We're here with Lester Ray. That was Promesa. I really like that song. Thanks, man. Groovy. Thanks. Yeah. Some groovy shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It has a lot of rhythm, has a Lukumi culture, like the, the language at the very end of the song by uh, actually the teacher who, the guy at the very end of that song mm-hmm. is the teacher that I took uh, Afro Cuban Ensemble with. Mm. So he was cool enough. He's, in, he's teaching in Texas now. I was like, hey, man, can you? You throw something at the end of the song, it would be so perfect. One of those professorial features, you know. Yeah, it's nice. yeah. I never have a, you know, gotta get the professor in my tracks. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about this project that, that this is the title track for, and it's the most recent thing you put out last or a little over a month ago. Yeah, about November twenty six, I think. Yeah. 
how uh <laughs> first of all just now looking back at it with a little bit of distance like how are, how do you feel when you hear the, the the songs you put up like like thinking about the project what is it yeah. what, what's changed in your understanding of it um i guess the <clears throat> uh, the impact that it has mm. um when i write the song it's really for me um and something that i feel that needs to be said um maybe to some degree something that i want people to like here but not necessarily something that's going to really impact people's lives mm. and so when i see like recently i saw that um promesa was used as the backing track for a collective who put their visuals out there about the actual promesa act in yeah. puerto rico and what they're doing in puerto rico to fight this bill and so they put a, a video documenting uh commentary from ma many major political figures in mm in puerto rico and the backing track is, is this wow, song cool. and i mean i was like taken back i was like wow that i was like following this group and mm. they somehow found me and i'm <laughs> like so cool. this is yeah it's so, so cool and it's like especially this song promesa specifically it's been really opening a lot of doors mm. um i'm actually going to washington next tuesday for an action on on wednesday to to basically petition for the freedom of Oscar Lopez Rivera. Yeah. He's one of the political prisoners been in, in prison for 35 years. So I mean all these actions are connected with the with the Puerto Rican movement, the Promesa Act, um Oscar Lopez Rivera. Um So this, let's let's stay on the let's yeah. stay on the Promesa Act because <laughs> I, yeah. I think the the project as this not just a reflection but like a a wrestling with and then also being used in resistance uh it's important to kind of give context about what it is um so yeah. if you want a real quick kind of we're, we're making you uh, talk about professor yeah. we're putting it on you today but i think this is good stuff to share yeah 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 we'll go from from history to politics absolutely let's do that. it's what um, we do yeah. <laughs> and the streets get this politic um, <laughs> so the promesa act was uh, passed by congress in june of 2016 um and it basically puts an oversight board um over the island financial um quote unquote issue um well, i guess it's just an issue now um there's 72 billion dollar uh debt that puerto rico owes to to wall street basically and in order for them to get this debt from puerto rico they put this oversight board to make sure that all monies coming out of puerto rico goes to or towards this debt right. <clears throat> that means shutting down schools hospitals um there was even a moment where the electricity just went off on the entire island um yeah and then there was they they actually are taking the minimum wage and between the ages of 21 to 25 they're having the minimum wage be like 425 something like that for that age group right and it's like that's you know that's young 20 year old uh, men and women trying to work and they they they're not making that kind of money and when you have folks you know so many people who have left the island because of, the, of economic exactly. opportunity especially but, young folks taking that opportunity making it even harder to make a living while yeah. staying there and it like connects to this but you know in addition to like the economic realities of it it's also like having a board of directors governing an island that's exactly. full of people. It's the most it's colonial the, shit. Like, exactly. It's basically super colonial. It's like they've never admitted that Puerto Rico is a colony. It's like they should be wearing like white wigs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like being a colony in today's time is is illegal according to the UN. Right. Um. So America's found a way by calling it um a commonwealth. Yeah. Um, which also sounds colonial. Which is, yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. They couldn't even come up with a new but, term. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they couldn't come up with a good name for it. Um, but, um, and, and the Commonwealth idea actually came from um, Marine. Um, he was on, actually one of the political forces in, in Puerto Rico. Um, so he's, he's the, definitely a debatable character in, mm. in Puerto Rican history. But the Promesa Act didn't really push people away from the island. It just put... Uh, more like governing board over the governor basically so it's like we have mayors and governors and st uh, a governor but it's like and we even have a, a member in congress but with no vote um so it's like everyone's 
a character, really? Like, right. they, they don't have power at all or voice? Yeah, it's just how colonies are. Like, it's, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, it's just for show. Right. Um, and this oversight board gets to meet him in, in, in secret. Um, <laughs> which, uh, man, I can't believe the name escapes me. And I always find this really funny. The guy who just ran for president in the Republican Party from Miami, Cuban. The dude who won? No, the Cuban. Uh, no, I know Trump. Oh, take. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, I get the name. <laughs> and I know Trump. Won, um, man, it's uh, Rubio. Rubio. Yeah, Marco he's Rubio. part of the actual. He's one of the members of the governing oh, board. Wow. And I, when I found that out, I was like, "You, you gotta be kidding me! This, oh. this guy is like a, a self-hating Cuban. Like right, he, yeah. he's not gonna care about um, Puerto Rico at all." So that's not necessarily the reason why they're leaving. The reason why they're leaving is because they're shutting down the schools, shutting down the hospitals, shutting down all the resources. So then people. You have people in Chicago South Side who are moving here looking for rehab centers and rehab centers can't help them. Right. You have Puerto Ricans dying and people, it's not even making the news. Yeah. And what's happening in Puerto Rico doesn't even come up on the news. Yeah. It's like really been shut down. It's almost like completely kept in the dark. Yeah. So for you moving into the creative process, we can we can circle back. Yeah, yeah. more stuff on that. But, you know, in listening to some of your old music, it's not that you're not wrestling with these things, but this is so explicitly in response and engaging beyond just your relationship to it it's it's looking at kind of this this yeah. moment and what's happening as a whole was there any tension for you or like the, the moment of deciding like all right i'm titling it this i'm kind of speaking in direct response to that was that a new step yeah actually i've been on a boogaloo latin soul um vibe all year um i, I consider myself a music producer and a songwriter um but I have this hip hop background that just pulls me to what I feel like hip hop has always done, which is provide uh, a voice for the community mm. or be, be a voice um, and and like help in times of, of, of struggle. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> when I saw the Promesa Act came out, I actually wanted to release this project in, in June, but the summer was just so, so busy. I was doing festivals and tours um, that said when I come back, um, I'm going to definitely really consider doing a 10-track hip-hop mixtape yeah. um, called Promesa. Like, I definitely knew that I wanted to call it Promesa because it's just so ironic that the bill is called Promise, but it's mm. promising. It's like the song is um, Promesa Pa Quien. So it's like a promise for who? Mm -hmm. It's like asking again, Pa Quien, Pa Quien, like for who, for who? Like, um, <clears throat> so I definitely knew I wanted to call it Promesa. Um, the graphic artist, I, I usually give him like free range, complete free range. I love the fact that he made it look like propaganda. Yeah. You put a microphone in the front. Um, so I, I really liked his artwork. Um, and it was the most political thing I did because I, I do struggle with this idea that your music doesn't always have to be political, so, explicit so explicitly, overt. overtly yeah. political. Um, I think that's okay sometimes, and so this is my sometimes. <laughs> so I don't think I'm always going to be writing music that's like, you know, um, after police. Like, yeah. that's just straight up saying that. I can do that in so many different ways. In my visuals, I can do that in my, um, yeah, Right. Well, the phrase, different ways. the phrase I always like to use is that, like, creative existence and just regular existence yeah. is also resistance. Like, the fact that you are existing and making art is an act. It doesn't have to, you know be so explicit yeah. so so coming into the project um because it's someone you know who who gets into those types of uh struggles right like yeah it, it it's really hard to envision an end goal so I'm, I'm wondering if going into the project you had a clear understanding of what what your dream of like a response to this contradiction of the struggle would or did working through the art <laughs> and trying to express it creatively get you to a, a, a deeper understanding of of what might be a new alternative? What might you want a resistance to look like? What would you want yeah. to be created as as new? Um, so this definitely also breaks away from the like the typical hip hop mixtape where not all the tracks are very boom boom bad. Like yeah. there's a merengue track in there, there's a, a reggaeton track in there. So definitely, I do believe like resistance can be in movement, um, and dance and rhythms. Mm. Um, and I try to put a little bit of that in the mixtape. Um, one song called Depre. Um, produced by Khaled B. Um, he, I mean, the, the track features a bunch of dope artists. And that song was written the day after election. Mm -hmm. I remember explicitly not wanting to get out of bed, being just so just disappointed with the whole country. Uh, I was just like, 
oh man, forget this. Like, I just want to stay home all day. Um, and I got up and I listened to the beat that Khaled B has sent me. And I was like, and I actually, that was one of the last beats I wrote because I couldn't, I couldn't come up with a, a song idea for that one. And then I came up with the idea just flowing naturally. Um, basically how I felt. And I was like, depre, 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 depression. I was like, depression. I was like, yeah. I was like feeling this depression. And I'm like, you know, even though I'm just like singing right now in this room to myself, this might actually work for a hook. <laughs> so, yeah. so then I sent the hook out to the other rappers and, and the whole song was written in a day. I actually released it the very next day, a little snippet of it. And um, <clears throat> it, it resonated really well. People really liked Promesa and Depre, and then people were looking forward to this mixtape. I, I didn't know that um, it would make the impact that it did. Yeah. So, like, uh, when it came out on Remezcla, like, magazine and Latina magazine, and I put it like this. Uh, when I dropped the EP, the the number one heard, most heard song in that EP is Ponte Blues, which is also has a political message to it, and it hit. It took, like, a whole year for it to get to maybe, like, 300 or something. Um. When I dropped Promesa, the song Promesa, got like up to 800 in one week. And mm -hmm. I mean, in one weekend. And so I was like, wow, I was just taken back. Yeah, I know those are not, not like thousands and millions. Like, you know, you have the other artists in no, the world. But, it, it, it's but to me, it was like, wow, people are actually listening to this. Yeah. People are messaging me their mixtapes and their uh, projects and their responses to Promesa as well. Mm. And I'm like, this is deep. It's, I, in, I learned it's in a lot. conversation. Mm -hmm. it all but that's part of it it's not like here's this product it's like it's in conversation with stuff that people are wrestling with in general and and i think you know what you're saying fits in really well to the work we're trying to do here at this show and I, and in many ways it, it feels like like the artistic framework that you're like explaining or outlining is so in somewhat the answer because i've been thinking it somewhat like embarrassed of like why even though I'm aware of this like Puerto Rican contradiction, I just went there last summer and was like yeah. on the beach and, I, and like I'm right. aware of like how bogus this is. My sisters have Puerto Rican, right? And, 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 I, and I'm really interested as like social movements in the last two, three years here stay in the States, right? Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, in the continental yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> has like gotten so picked up and, and how we have immigration movements and anti-police movements yeah. and labor movements and, and, and how like, or at least in any public way, Mm -hmm. Puerto Rican independence or or Puerto Rican colonialism yeah. is has not really intersected. And, and what you're saying with your music is that right, like yeah. taking these cultural rhythms and yeah. putting them together, and like having a space where people come in these rooms yeah. together, uh, really does feel like an answer. Sometimes I do feel like the the Puerto Rican struggle hasn't intersected mm -hmm. too much, but I also which is crazy, that, especially here in Chicago. Yeah, especially here in Chicago because it has a very a strong his history of Puerto mm -hmm. Rican movements, mm -hmm. but uh. The Puerto Rican numbers in Chicago have dwindled. Right. Um, <clears throat> there was a time when there were more Puerto Ricans here than other Latino groups. Um, those have shifted. So it kind of makes sense now that immigration would be one of the most, um, like, um, president issues, yeah. um, the Black Lives Matter movement, the No Dapo movement. Um, but I, and I want to talk a little bit about mm -hmm. some of the forces that have that have made that have changed those numbers. You know, looking at the gentrifying of the like yeah. of the centers of it. So we, I think one of the first things that I heard when I moved here was that like, so Harlem is like for like Harlem being like the black cultural capital, but the Chicago, Chicago being the black political capital. Yeah, and not that the parallels always transfer, but I'm thinking about like the difference between you know parts of the Bronx or Washington Heights where there's a huge Puerto Rican community and Humboldt Park is that like, yeah, Boogaloo and Salsa might have come from there, but there are no, or you don't see as many like huge free Oscar Lopez Rivera posters and you don't see big wrought iron flags. And this being a political center. Yeah. Um, I, I know you were saying like, it doesn't necessarily sense. have to be the subject of your music, but for you growing up here, like, do you remember like, was there a point where you're like, oh, this is starting to click and how I understand the world? Was it when you got to school or like, is it just part of what you start seeing kind of building that critical consciousness early? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think it's definitely school, to be honest. Um, in trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, I figured out what life was really all about. Mm. Um, and it's really interesting how you mentioned Chicago in comparison to New York, because I, I was just going to say that Though that intersection doesn't happen in, in Chicago, it does happen in the East Coast a lot. Yeah. Um, 
And there's always movements in certain regions in the U.S. that maybe are kept in the dark a little bit more than other regions of the U.S. And a lot of but, that just has to do with the segregation of the city. Yeah, yeah. Chicago is really segregated. So, like, but you did bring something to mind that actually just, because I've been talking to this with so many friends about why is the Puerto Rican movement in Chicago not really as artistic as, mm-hmm. as it could be. Um, you have a lot of great, great uh, Puerto Rican salsa bands and you have a lot of great um, Puerto Ricans in many different bands in Chicago, but um, you never see them getting as much limelight as you do in New York or, or Boston or Philly or Orlando, Miami. Um, I was just wondering about that really, but now that you mentioned that Chicago being a political aspect and they have the, the Puerto Rican flag, the iron rod, and then we actually have Jose Lopez, the brother of Oscar Lopez, working here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It really makes a lot. It just clicked. You just yeah. like opened up my, my head to that idea. Amen. So I appreciate that. <laughs> we, 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 we do what we can up here. Yeah, I, I don't want to like, so I guess when people have like deep political things going in their work, yeah. you don't want to make them a spokesperson, right? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Is that something you're wrestling with or fearing like, man, Not is there like, something uncomfortable about like, having to then discuss about something that's so big and it has to be so many different like views or responses or, or positionalities yeah. in, in this struggle. Cause I, I have another question about like, is it even appropriate to ask oh, you no. about the entire fate of like, Oh, the Puerto Rican movement? Uh, I mean, no. Okay. <laughs> word. Word. So let me, let me ask it. And then, and then you can think, you can think in reference to what I just said. And then we can maybe, you know, also, yeah, yeah. we, we, yeah. we got to play another track yeah, yeah, yeah. and then we definitely want to hear you on the drums. But, um, so I've been reading a lot about like like revolution and independence, right? Yeah. And and so like the way that it's always been framed to me and my very narrow understanding of the struggle is about like statehood and like being the fifty first state is usually how like I, I hear yeah. it or feel it getting uh, pushed to me. But is there a tension between wanting to be an independent nation and wanting to be like a full fledged state with all of the protections of constitution and voting or or or, or how do you feel or yeah or, or, um yeah that just feels like a tension that i've never heard no, discussed no, that's, before yeah it's fine we could definitely talk about that that's definitely something i can talk about for sure that's actually something that comes up in uh dinner table conversations like mm-hmm. all over the diaspora and in puerto rico <laughs> it's one of the most talked about topics in, in puerto rican households um because it's always been split three ways it's like we're fine the way we are no we need to become a state uh, no, we need to be independent. And even amongst family members, it's not one of those like, oh, you never talk about, you know, politics or religion, you know, in the American dinner table. It's not like that. <laughs> yeah. Like in the Puerto Rican table, say everyone's talking about like, nah, 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 this governor is full of blah, blah, blah. <laughs> everyone just talks about it, even though that's um, not the opinion of someone else in the table. Um, the reason why we also, I feel, have taken it with so much, so lightly is because it's been a hundred plus years now that we've been a colony. And in those hundred years, people have lived good lives. And in living good lives, you don't see a need to change. <clears throat> so you have people that are happy with the way things are. Mm. They're like, well, at least we're not as poor as Haiti or our neighbor right. or Cuba. Um, or, you know, we're, we're, we're one of the more well-off islands. And I, I actually think that's a misconception. Mm. Um, and then you have... Um, the people who want to become a state because you know well we could we could have it just as good right. as the American dream um, if we had the power to vote Uh-oh. and so you <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> so it's like um, and and there's obviously misconceptions I don't really agree with that one either so then uh, what you have a lot of in Chicago in the political movement myself. Um, artists like Calle 13 and big artists like that. And actually, I think a movement that's becoming more popular because of Promesa and because how obvious this colonial status is and how much American can do with with us however they want is the nationalist uh, mentality, which is um, independence. And so while many moderates would say independence are too radical, um, they're too wild and all that stuff. Or impossible. Or that it's impossible, we'll never be able to live without America type of mentality. Um, I think that we can now see that we we really don't. Like there's there's numbers that show that America benefits much more mm. um, from this relationship than does, than Puerto Rico does. People think that, oh, well, you know, we get welfare, yeah. we get 
we get food stamps, we we get um, no no taxes. We you know, but <clears throat> the tariffs uh, and the money that um, comes from Puerto Rico that goes to America is way higher. What's the quote, Dame, that you always say about like, or that I've heard you say about some like politics being the like the possible? Oh yeah, po- politics is is the art of the possible. Right, so that's why mm-hmm. we, we we need movements, so we need creative yeah. thinkers to to imagine the impossible, right? Because exactly, yeah, you yeah. know, the impossible can be created all the time. And but, I don't really think that. Um, <clears throat> going back to your earlier mm-hmm. question, um, I don't mind definitely being not necessarily a spokesperson. I think that everyone can kind of speak about the movement, mm-hmm. um, and I actually understand that as an artist talking about Puerto Rico, that. People are gonna ask questions about Puerto Rico, <laughs> and that's. <laughs> well, we I, just I, I know that <laughs> exactly. So, and I get that. So, um, but I definitely don't have all the answers. So, if I if I can't answer a question, you know, I will just definitely be like, I don't know the answer, but I can get back to you. And yeah, don't need you know. to be the authority. Those are my favorite people in the world. People that say I don't know. Yeah, I, I like just, the smartest people. That's like. I know some of the people that do know. So <laughs> I'll, I'll just talk to them, or I'll text them right now. I'll let you know in a little bit. <laughs> let's let's hear let's hear one more before we uh before we wrap up uh i really like this song uh cookie it's the third song that's one of my favorites it's, um, it's a weird song i love that one <laughs> you want to why don't we play it and then we'll do a real quick talk about it after this is cookie you're listening to ergo whpk ergo radio.com Coqui, 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 
despierta la gente del mundo entero que su isla ha sufrido su suficiente veneno el coco coco -co quiere defenderse quiere su interés de seguir cantando de seguir bailando de ser That's Koki from Lester Ray. Man, tell us a little bit about that track, that joint. Yeah, so that's... It has some familiar <laughs> tones, you know. Yeah, um, I really like that song. It's one of my favorite songs from the mix. I feel like every song is one of my favorite songs from the mix. <laughs> As they now. should be. Right? Uh, no, but I really like this one a lot because it gave me a chance to, to really sing, mm. you know, to really layer harmonies and stuff like that. Uh, sometimes... A lot of Latin music is just really like abrasive, just like in your face. It's loud, and I love that too. But um, so I have that, a that subtlety in it, yeah. Yeah, and I have I'm very much Chicago culture as much as I'm Puerto Rican culture. If anything, I, I've actually lived in Chicago like longer than in Puerto right. Rico, so I carry a lot of soul blues vibes. That's why I, one of the nicknames I have is Blue Lion, mm. and the blue isn't about the colors, about the blues voice and stuff like that. So. That song specifically <clears throat> grabs the concept of the coqui, which is the frog in Puerto Rico, um, and it just paints an image of a of a world extinct of Puerto Ricans. Like as the numbers have been dwindling, as populations have been going down, as women have been sterilized, um, I just like depicted the extreme, the exaggeration. And then I grabbed the coqui and about all the bombing and experiments that have been happening happening in the island in the past and just just came up with a storyline about Koki's defending their island mm. and it's really weird yeah and it's like one of my it's definitely that one song that was experimental for me and i was like why not try it on the mixtape so. cool. well the, so before we get out of here we got the uh we got the congas in the room <laughs> I'm excited to yeah. see what you do. What you do with I want to see if we got 30 seconds though. We're gonna put you on the spot. 30 seconds. People already know what it is. B for the R and B singer. We got we got to call somebody <laughs> out before we get out of here. We've been way too friendly. We yeah, need some action yeah. before. Um, man. Okay. So like, I don't really. I like a lot of R and B singers and soul singers. So like, I think the only one was uh, Mariah, Mariah Carey. Yeah, she bogus. This. I don't know what's up with her. Yeah, like what she did. Like <laughs> that was that was excruciating. Just chilling on stage. It was the like funniest. Sh- Watch it again, everybody. If you if if you've already seen the Mariah Carey video from New Year's Eve, <laughs> after like midway through the, the first verse, I realized all of her dancers were still doing the choreography. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they didn't miss a beat. They, they did every single step to the end of the track, which they made even put it the like, feathers right in her yeah, face. She's like, hilarious. I'm not even trying to do this no more. <laughs> all right, all right, we're gonna let you rock out. I'm excited. It's the first time we've had. Uh, Instrument is it? Is that true? I think Sam Trump brought a, uh, right, a ukulele right. up, but the first, first time I, I like the drums better anyway. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> go for it. Let, let, do, do your thing. All right. So this song, uh, a lot of y'all on the air who are listening, who've been to my shows, probably know this one. Uh, so we're gonna do this one together, and we're gonna rock out. Here we go. El bonseño de Chicago, el león de la ciudad, la pelada de mi barrio quiere verme brillar. Me atrevi yo con este ritmo que abrí. El bonseño de Chicago, el león de la ciudad, la pela de mi barrio quiere verme brillar. Me atrevi yo con este ritmo que abrí. Entren sin pena, te lo quiero compartir. El bonseño de Chicago, el león de la ciudad, la pela de mi barrio quiere verme brillar. Me atrevi yo con este ritmo que abrí. Entren sin pena, te lo quiero compartir. 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 Bomba, eh, bomba. Baila, 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 bomba. Bomba, eh, bomba. Baila, 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 bomba. Hey, 
the, the, the most turned up performance we've had. Yeah, that's right. that was so rough. First time I've danced in the studio. Hey. Where can yeah. they find you? Shout out. She been the sweet. All the plugs. Where you yeah, going to be? Yeah, yeah. Where, where, where's uh, the social media? Lesteray.com gives you basically everything's on there. But um, I have a show next Saturday, the 14th, at the new AMFM Gallery. So the, the grand opening is this Saturday. And then next Saturday um, is um, the release of my new EP, which is basically a, a remix collaboration with all these dope DJs from all over the world, mixing all those, all the original Bugalu Urbano songs from the first EP. From Blue Lion? Yeah, from oh, Blue Lion, yeah. Oh, What a cool idea. Yeah, yeah, I just thought, let me hit them up. Uh, you know, I just dropped the mixtape. I want to drop a single later on this year, but I really wanted to remix all the tracks. And it's kind of, it's called Blue Lion Reimagined. Word. So it's kind of reimagined by a lot of people I've worked with and met in the last year. That's beautiful. We'll definitely... Go to that. Check out the music on uh, SoundCloud. Stay in tune. Stay in tune with us at Ergo Radio. Uh, we'll be back next week. I like the way that sounds with another strong voice from Chicago and beyond. Much love to the people. Peace.